This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Yerushalayim, Eishat Torah, Essentials class. Our last installment before Passover. And uh, amazingly, it's my birthday. What? I thought you said, are you wearing blush? So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Hebrew. I celebrate my English birthday. I don't even know when it happens. Although I think this week it'll happen on Shabbos, so I don't even have to like get all those phone calls. You know, Because it hurts me. Every time my father calls me, he's like, oh, I celebrate your English birthday. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> he can't get over the fact that I have a Hebrew birthday. But your actual zodiac sign is connected to your Hebrew birthday. That's your that's your zodiac sign. So um, I mean, mine would be the same either way. Your Aries, whether you're April eighth or whether you're um, the tenth of Nisan, which is today. Either way, you're uh, this is uh, Aries, and uh, but it's important because some people are on the border. Where, you know, like for example, there was a woman tonight who I met uh, today. It's tonight. Whoa. Um, <laughs> that might be my all time record. <laughs> that might be my all time record. No, because I say funky things when it comes to time. But I think calling today, tonight, that's over the top. Anyway, there was a woman I met today who, um, who thought she was, she thought she was an Aries. Um, because her birthday is April 6th, uh, April 7th, and in fact, she's, uh, she's uh, from the previous month, which is uh, Adar. She's an Adar baby. Um, anyway, so that's important to know the Hebrew calendar, the, which is the lunar calendar, and the, that's the one that's your actual uh, zodiac sign. You're probably wondering what the zodiac sign has anything to do with anything. Well, this class will actually teach you a little bit about that. Um, Anyway, so I walked out of my house today. Just quick story to start. I walk into my house, and um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'll teach you all a lesson. God's running creation, and our job is to go with the flow. You just go with the flow. You make as little decisions as possible. Little decisions. For example, let's say uh, let's say you see an open counter, and your baggage is a little overweight, and you just don't want to get checked for that financially. So so you'd think like I'm just going to jump up to that open counter, but to get to that open counter was a bit of a push. And there was a question of the people kind of gathering their bags were actually the ones going there. And don't go there. If the flow of traffic was heading you towards this counter, that's your counter. Even if you have to wait a few people, like, don't go anywhere until it's time. You know, I just had someone recently, I was just going with the flow because I was too many bags and overweight. And, and they, they were taking everybody else before me. And I was just like, someone finally said, like, what are you doing here? And they're like, waiting for my turn. And they're like, but we, people keep taking your turn. I'm like, I don't want to talk to the wrong people here. Like, I'm letting God do this. So you go with the flow. Anyway, so what happened was I got to um, Betzalov Street, which is the, the Hemshech, I'm not English, Hemshech of Ben Yehuda. And I'm walking down Betzala, uh, and I say to myself, you know, I'm just kind of going to peer at the traffic to see if any of these cars are going to take me to the old city. Also, I only realize now that I don't think I even have money to get here. I had dollars. I mean, I guess I would have been able to get here on dollars. Anyway, so I kind of peered at the traffic and just gave it that like. And there I see a beautiful Mercedes taxi. 
And I see a passenger in there, so I turn back around. But uh, but the cab driver honks on his horn. I turn around, he's like, come over here. He wants to make a little extra buck. And this guy's sitting in the passenger seat, my friend Bignon. <laughs> Say hi. Uh, Who's here on the Maccabi games from Vienna. And the cab driver says, oh, Sam, Give it makes it more interesting. Yeah. So anyway, Benjamin. So the cab driver tells me that Benjamin is going to, careful the volume buttons, make sure you put it yeah. the other way. Slide. Anyway, Benjamin, also next time just flip around the camera. And yeah. Press the yeah. Button. Anyway, the next, next um, he tells, the driver tells me he's going to Damascus Gate. But Damascus Gate's kind of a dangerous place, especially with an Israeli-looking guy like him. Yeah, he's going to Damascus because I don't know who told him to go there. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So just take me to Mamila. I'll go to Mamila. He says 20 shekels. I'm like, perfect. And that's about all I had. And, uh, and so we're all set. But anyway, we got to know each other. And I explained to him, Damascus, it's kind of a radical place to go. And uh, like a Hamas hotbed. And, uh, which you can still go to on a seven-minute walk from here. And uh, the next thing you know, he's with the mayor of Jerusalem. And here we are. And now he's in class. When's the last time he went to a Torah class? <laughs> okay. So, so here we go. So listen up. Listen up. Today's class is very exciting. I'm going to start with something. Um, something that uh, I don't know if it will be familiar to you, but you know you'll you'll see what you want to do with it. Uh, we're not going to be we're not going to dwell here for long. But what we're going to look at first is just take apart the word spiritual. Look at this word spiritual. I'll try to get it light here. So look at the word spiritual. Okay? What two words do you see in the word spiritual? Ritual and spirit. Very good. Okay? Spirit and ritual. Okay? There's two words there. Spirit and ritual. The word spirit is a little harder to define, so let's start with ritual. Ritual is something that takes place physical time, like you can video ritual. It takes place in space and time. And that's a ritual. Which could be anything. I mean, it could be going to gym every day, going to get your espresso and a croissant. It could be, um, it could be lighting Hanukkah candles. It could be making kiddush. It could be celebrating the Passover seder. Those are all various rituals. The word spirit's a little hard to, harder to define because spirit does not take place in physical space and time. It's spiritual, you know, meaning uh, meaning the ritual has there's like a body to it, whereas the spirit just has the soul aspect going on. In fact, you probably no one here can even define the word spirit. It's hard to define at all. So I will help you with a little ancient Latin, and that's from the word spire. And the word spire means air in lungs. That's it. It's very anatomical. Very anatomical. Air in lungs. For example, if you run, you will what? Perspire. You will perspire. If you're running, you will perspire, which comes from the lungs. The air gets in the lungs. After a while, all the moisture in there starts spreading out and coming out of your body. And that's called perspiration. If you were to pass out because you overran or got heat stroke or something, so then we will put on you, we'll bring the emergency vehicle and we'll put on you a what? Respiration. Respirator so that you will respire. You want to get the air back in the lungs, so we give you a respirator. And if we fail, you expire. That's right. Okay. So spire means in lungs. If you go to the Swiss Alps and you look at those mountains, and I've done this amazing. I just I, uh, two years ago I did two hundred. 
thousand vertical feet of mountain biking in four days. Uh, I never even rode uphill. All I do is just take those gondolas up and flying down those trails straight down to my massage. <laughs> four days straight. So the my other job makes more money. Now the just kidding, it was really it was a gift of a student of mine. Made. I have this student who's like the most ADHD, impetuous guy in the world. And he tells me, oh my gosh, my wife and I are going to San Marit, Switzerland. You and your wife should join us. I'm like, cool. <laughs> he hangs up the phone. I call my wife. I'm like, we're going to San Marit, Switzerland. She's like, amazing. <laughs> he goes home and tells his wife. She's like, are you kidding me? You invited Yomto to our vacation in San Marit? Are you out of your mind? He almost got thrown out of the house. <laughs> I get a phone call. He's like, listen, bro, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. But my wife's like, For, you're not bringing your rabbi <laughs> on our vacation to San Marie's. And <laughs> I just think, I'm not exactly the character, you know, you want to show up to every romantic meal. You know? <laughs> and, and, and the... Anyway, but he says, listen, I'll, I'll make it up to you. Just book your ticket, the, book your ticket the day after we leave. Like, we'll leave, you'll come. I can't not let this, I can't not send you at this point. So I'm like, honey, I got bad news. It's just the two of us. <laughs> so anyway, there's spirit. When, oh, when you get up to the Swiss Alps, we had to pull over our rental car every like, every like half a mile. We kept pulling over the car just going like, Whoa! And you literally want to get out of your car and like start rolling around the floor, <laughs> freaking out on the beauty of the Swiss Alps. And you got to go see them. You got to go see them. And I, I even am nervous to say that you may have to answer for it upstairs if you didn't. So at some point you got to get over there. And if you think you can't afford it, it's not expensive to go there. It's ex- really expensive. <laughs> yeah, no, the flight can be expensive. From here, it's cheap. But the um, but it's um, you can go to Airbnb for nothing, like nothing, and that's get and you get your own pad for like you know like eighty dollars or something. Um, just don't eat. Yeah. Now <laughs> yeah, you bring you bring food. It, it would bring a suitcase of food. If it was just my wife and I going, we would have brought our own food for sure. So anyway, um, so that's inspiration when you're inspired. <laughs> when you're blown away by something, you're like. Wow. Inspiration. Okay, enough said. The, um, the ritual of something is the what. Okay, how do you say what in Hebrew? Ma. Ma. Come on, everyone together. How do you say what? Ma. Ma. And how do you say why? Same as Spanish. It's the same as what? Ma. Or just got to add what? Lama. Lama. Or lama. Why is just for what? It's just the same ma. Spanish is K, and what? Alan? Porque. 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 Ma is K, and porque. For what? Same here. Lima. Like, to what end is this? What, what's the difference? And that's the word why. Okay? So a ritual is what you do, meaning I can video what you do. And the spirit of something is why you do it. Okay? There's what you do, and then there's why you do it. If you think about it, if you're doing a what and you don't know the why, if you're doing a what and you don't know the why, it's it's what? What, what do you call it? What do you call it? A body without a soul? Dead. 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 
Think about it. If you have a what without the why, it's dead. You have nothing. You'll just stop doing it because you will lose your motivation to do that particular thing. If you don't have a why to do it, you ain't doing it. Period. You get that? If you've lost your why, you're out. Yeah. Okay, so before you said spirit transcends space and time, um, what I don't get is Shabbos spiritual, but uh, you don't... Shabbos is once a week. Shabbos is spirit, which is constricted by time. And other Yom and Tovim and times of the year, all different variations of spirit, but you said it's outside of space and time. The holidays and Shabbos. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll notice that whenever we have a Shabbos, you'll notice that we always are highly limiting the, what your body's up to. For example, this coming Shabbat, we will all be limiting our bodies from from uh, what are 39 principal creative movements that your body can make where you can change, manipulate matter, basically. So the body's level of manipulating physical world, that we stop doing every Shabbat. And the holiday of Pesach, we will not be manipulating matter on that day. So whenever you're doing something that's super spirit, you do less body. Super spirit, less body. Shabbos is super spirit time. And you still have to have a body. You want to hear something? There's a, there's a tradition that, that said that God originally wanted to have the Jews disappear every Shabbat. Like, totally disappear. You know, can you imagine that? Like, the Gentiles are knocking on your door. We saw them go in there. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, because, like, the levee broke and the towns got about to flood. There's no one there. So when we're refraining from the creative 39 manipulations, which are breaking the thousands of laws. But when you refrain from those 39 manipulations, your body's been basically put on hold. Anytime you do something more spiritual, for example, if someone's going to bring a Corbin to the Temple Mount, Temple Mount, Exhibit A, the Temple Mount. Can you focus in on that Temple Mount over there? Hit, hit, fast forward. Hit, uh, never. Not on yours. The, um, when you bring a Corbin, you're not allowed to do Malacha that day. You know that? Malacha, it's the 39 principal acts. Oh, everyone practiced some Hebrew, it's called Malacha. Badly translated as work. People say, oh, I, well, I don't work on shops, but I crank my tunes, yeah, and I drive my four-wheel drive truck. And I, they, the word Malacha does not mean work. The word Malacha means 39 principal manipulations of matter. <laughs> Taking from raw to cooked, taking from on to on like a light, on to off, off to on, blank paper to written on paper, written on paper to erased paper, a living animal to a dead animal, you're not allowed to slaughter an animal on Shabbat. Like you can't mess with this world. You gotta get your body out, you gotta extract your body from its over involvement in manipulating matter. Which makes sense. I mean six days you do it. You you got you need another day? You need an extra day of manipulating the world? Like you can't get your ego out of your world for one seventh of your life? Like you gotta make your mark, you gotta mark every lamppost you walk by? You're not a dog. One day a week. One day a week, just get out. Get out, go spirit for one day a week. What's a big deal? It's like if I gave you, imagine I gave you seven million dollars. Cash. I don't know, I won the lottery and now I'm giving you $7 million cash. Would you be happy? Sure, yeah. Now, let's say I came back to you like, 
I came back to you like a month later and I said, I, something got tied up. I'm like totally out of money. Can I just have one back, please? Would you give me one back? <laughs> you would give me one million dollars back? No, you wouldn't. Seven million dollars. I come back a month later. I want one back. Would you give it back? I don't know. I'm just paying. You're in this class, man. You're being listened to. Okay. Do you like I don't think I have anything left. I don't know. <laughs> like, what are the statistical chances I would call him this guy? <laughs> so, how long was it? You don't call them unless it's absolutely for sure they're going to answer properly. I got a guy who, who, if he had it, he wouldn't necessarily give it back, but he probably won't have it. What was the, the anyway? The answer is supposed to be yes. <laughs> yes, I would give you back one seven. So God gives you like six days a week to like go make your mark, as if anyone's going to remember any of us hundred years from now. Someone here, tell me, even your own family, your family, tell me one thing one of your family members did a hundred years ago. Your family. One thing they did a hundred years ago. Someone in here. And most of you were raised, like, at least half of you were raised observant. Yes. Oh, you have someone? Yeah, but I don't want to. You do too? A hundred years ago, what they did? Yeah. Amazing. That must have been something radical. Yeah. It was something big. <laughs> they went big. Okay. Professional surfer. <laughs> what they do? Oh, yeah. It's still going. Hundred years later. Wow. What you Wow. Uh, it's an honor to have you on my class. What was his last name? Well. What What did your hundred years ago one do? But they were up in Hungary, you know, when that the Hitler took everything away. So I understand, but you, you know about their lives. His grandfather was an oh, yeah. Well, that about his grandfather. Yeah. What did she do? What did he do? Oh, he worked. He he walked along the the, the ground, found this hole up, and he 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 found it. You're imagining that part. No, that that's that's how. Stories about him aren't nothing new. No, no, he just happened to walk, saw, saw coal, and made a coal mine out of. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that that's all I know. That's cool. Yeah. That's the legend of Great Great Grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, there was a sh I just What was his name? Um I think it was Herzog. 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 H E R C I walked back in this. Excellent. Great. Okay, we trust him. When you bring a korban, a sacrifice, an offering to the temple, you don't do malacha that day. No malacha. No malacha. You are, you are elevating your life. You're bringing an offering to the temple. You're, this is a day of elevation. You're not allowed to do malacha on a day of elevation. You can't even ask a Gentile to do it for you. Meaning... No, no messing with this world. You get your body, extract the body out. This is a highly spiritual day. You brought an offering to the temple. No malach. You want to hear something amazing? You ready for this? Guess what? This coming Monday, from noon on, or twelve forty-one on. Today it was twelve forty-one. Was midday, noon. Leave it to the Jews to have a time other than noon 
to be midday. But midday today was 1241 because we're actually doing the actual details. That's why if I, I might get stuck, I, want, I don't want to get stuck and you guys miss the class. So because we got a lot of important things to do. But let me finish that thought and I'll try not to digress so much. At 1241 on Monday, you ready for this? You're not allowed to do malacha. The Seder doesn't start till the evening. You have to be finished with all malacha by 1241. You know why? Because what if there was some courage in the Israeli government? <laughs> you thought I was going to say if there was a temple. No. If there was some courage in the Israeli government, they just block off like a 10 by 10 area so we can bring our sheep up there for our little shawarma you know, exhibition. You know, the, the sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb, the Paschal Sacrifice where we would all check our lambs, which all we need is a little area. Even in impurity, why do you think that we have one offering that you can offer when the whole nation's impure? It's because it's for the end of days. When everyone's impure, you'll be able to offer it. It's a weird law, right? Everyone knows Torah here a little bit? That, you, that you know, if, if, the, if the minority of the Jews are impure, they do it a month later. If the majority of the Jews are impure, you do it then. So we don't need purity. We don't need the red heifer. We don't need all the, all the details of the other korbanot, the other offerings. All you need is a little swath of land up there and a couple of IDF soldiers and obviously a coin to slaughter the thing and then some you know, big bad barbecues to get the job done and we'd be having our korban pesach this, this year. I'm telling you, every year on Passover night, when I'm eating my, my, uh, you know, Hillel sandwich, it's kind of missing the shawarma. You know, it's really cute and sweet that I'm eating, you know, this crunch, crunch matzah with some lettuce in it. And when's the last time any of you went to a shawarma place and ordered? I'm gonna just put the lettuce in there. Who wants that? And I want the meat inside there. And there's nothing stopping us except our own identity as a nation and lack of courage to, to first of all to have the identity and secondly to have the courage to live it but, we're, but we are we are busted and it's scary scary you want to know why it's scary because there's two commandments that bring spiritual exism one is when, if a Jewish male is uncircumcised he has spiritual exism he has to be circumcised and if, he, if his father didn't do it, and as soon as he's like able to get it done, he's got to get it done. And, but it's a positive commandment that comes with spiritual exorcism, which is weird. Normally, you'd think such a heavy spiritual cutoff would come from having not done, sorry, having done something you're not allowed to do. Meaning you're prohibited to do this, and you did it anyway. Okay, like eating on Yom Kippur comes with spiritual exorcism. By the way, you have to know it's Yom Kippur. You have to like say, you, I know there's a God. I know Torah is true. I know everything's real. And I know it's Yom Kippur. And I know I'm not supposed to eat this. And you have to like do it totally wrong to get spiritual exercise for that. Um, so I understand why there could be spiritual exorcism for such chutzpah. To do something that's totally forbidden with full connection and clarity with God. But this is a positive commandment of just circumcision or what's the other positive commandment? To eat the Paschal Lamb. Which means our entire nation 
you should, you know what we should do? <laughs> I don't want this to go viral in the government office, but uh, we should just go up, like force our way up. People do. Not to do that? You try this? People do it. People do it. People no, do we'll it. go up. Everyone. Like, we'll get the G'dayli Yisrael, like, uh, you get Rav Chaim Kanevsky to command that everyone bombard, bum-rush the Temple Mount with sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Bum-rush We don't want the whole thing. Just give us a little area. Why? Because otherwise, could it be our whole nation? And, and, and if it's the fault of the government, how's the government supposed to get anything done when it's got this on its conscience? that it's preventing us, our governments, causing the whole nation to be in doubt of spiritual exes. We don't have a base on Can bring a carbon out of base? That you can. You can bring a carbon pesa. Really? Yeah. Where, where, I mean... You see where it is. Bring the sheep, slaughter it, and barbecue it. No. It doesn't have any special laws. So he's asking for a source. He's asking for the source. The Torah. Yeah, the Torah. Yeah. You just bring the <laughs> You want to know something? The Bells are ready. One of the biggest leaders of our generation, the Bells are ready. I don't know if he still does this, but years ago he used to do this, and it's very expensive. He would rent an apartment in the old city, put a sheep in the courtyard, and spend his whole day there. Spend his whole day there right before Passover. Now you got to understand, he's got 80,000 chassidim waiting for him in Shul. And so what would happen was, once it hit a kind of a time where they're like, Rebbe, it's not going to happen today. We're just not going to get up there. And then the Rebbe would say, okay. They would put him in his limousine, shoot him out to Kirat Bells, and he would start, start young to. But he would have a sheep ready. And then he'd have a couple of people lobby the government a little bit to let him go up there and slaughter. See a coin? Bells are in there. Is he? Okay. Okay. I don't know. It's heavy duty stuff, man. We're 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 blowing it. Big time. And by the way, there's another commandment while we're on it, is to build the temple. You have a commandment right now, today, to build the temple. Prevented only by politics. You have it's only anytime there's no temple, one of the six hundred and thirteen commandments is leave noise to build. You shall build this. You have to build it. It's one of the six thirteen. Put on the film today? Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm like now afraid to call it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Put on film today? Yeah. It's the black boxes. Put on your film? Yeah. Why'd you do that? It's one of the 613. What if 13 drunk Russians were trying to prevent you from putting it on? What would you have done? Probably not. Give me some comments. I probably would. He, he would. I would. Yeah, I just. I mean, first I'd be like. <laughs> Knock a few out with it, and then, and then. Uh, meaning, the reason you put it on is because nothing should prevent you from putting that on. Leave noise, build it every day. Incumbent. Yeah. That's very poetic, young lady. <laughs> However, just kidding. <laughs> Just remind me of a scene from uh, Back to School. <laughs> Listen, wait, wait. Also, great. Also, how can you go on to the Temple Mount if you don't know where? I thought we can't even go up there because we might be no. in a place that. No, there's areas that are fair game. There are areas that are. That are clear. Okay, now, 
Um, by the way, I'm not suggesting to go out there. Everyone should know. I'm not part of the people. That, I'm not part of the people who say to go tour up there. I'm not. I've never toured. At least since I'm observing. I think on my bar mitzvah trip, they brought us up there. But, but I don't remember much from those ages. Now, okay, here we go. Guys, let's, let's just nail this out. I'm going to be quiet from now on, okay? I mean, that's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> what are we going to do? You're teaching or not. So, listen. The what's and the why's of life. If you don't have the why, the what's is going to disappear. When Judaism does not have the why's and the what's hooked up, it dies. It dies. I can tell you, in my own family, there was a time where people still did a lot of the what's, but they had no idea why. I myself was raised being told to marry a Jew. You know, ask why. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, well, why don't we do anything Jewish if it's so important? I didn't even ask that. I, I, I didn't know to ask that. But the the point is is that there's what and there is why. And if you don't have the why with the what, you wind up being raised like me, which is you know, we had, by the time of my generation there was almost no what's left. The what was like I don't even know what what we had to do. You, you had to be in synagogue on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, you had to go. We drove. We drove to synagogue in Russia, which is Malacha. I'm not allowed to drive because it's got a piston engine. It's burning every second. It's lighting a fire, which is forbidden. Now, on Rosh Hashanah. Now, look at this. Eastern traditions, like Hinduism, Buddhism, all those Eastern traditions, they are much more into the spirit of life. If you could go meditate and just totally divorce your body, you could be celibate, fasting, Renouncing all your ritual possession, all your material possessions, and just living, let the monastery care for you. Because think about it, when you when they say renounce material possession, what they're really saying is you're not going to be making money, you're not going to be involved in the world anymore. You are you are basically cutting out of the physical world, cutting out of body. Their emphasis is much more in spirit, while Westerners. Western people are much more involved in ritual. They're much more involved in ritual. They're much more busy with their rituals. You know, and, and, they, and by the way, the drug of the West is the oil. And uh, it's funny that most of the oil was put in the East, but that's a whole different class. The, um, but anyway, the Westerners are the consumers. They're the ones with all the rituals and the very expensive rituals. Well, the East, I mean, just look how it goes. The second you cross the Mediterranean, you're in Europe. Europe is the foundation of the consumers. While you, when you cross back this way, you go east. Okay, you gotta jump over Tel Aviv, and hop over Tel Aviv, and then you go eastward, and it just starts getting more and more spirit and more and more spirit. First, you got Jerusalem, very spirit. Okay, then you got Jordan. Like, uh, have you guys met Jordanians? Yeah, they're pretty chill. Yeah, they're not. They're not like. I mean. They're not worrying that much about their iPhone battery, okay? The Jordanians. Now, obviously, people in Amman, Jordan, I'm sure are, but there's a lot of other Jordans just kind of, Jordaners just living out under the stars. And then as you go further east and further east, it gets more and more spirit, 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 until you're in the stands. Pakistan, Afghanistan, stands. 
And then next thing you know, you're in India. Nepal. And you're just like, the further east you go, the more spirit gets. The further west you go, the more ritual it gets, the more expensive it gets, the more resources they eat. And they consumerism. Now, um, Westerners are much more ritualistic. Easterners are much more. Clear? Now, where, what is, it's like the first time I've ever been in here. I missed, forgot about that thing. Um, what, tell me, what is geographically between Kathmandu and Rome? The foundation, you know, Greece, Rome, the foundation of Western city. What is geographically in the middle of Israel, Israel, Jerusalem. We are the center of all that. Now, before we get to Jerusalem, we got to come over here. Easterners see the world as cyclical or linear? Which one? Easterners. Cyclical, yes. It's not just them. All Aboriginal cultures see the world as cyclical, no matter where you go. Meaning, if you go, even though you go to Native Americans, they're going to see it as cyclical. It's the nature of people staring at the world. You just notice it's cycles. It's full of cycles. Um... Westerners, on the other hand, have imposed a different type of view. What's their view? Linear. They see things as linear. By the way, where do you think the Westerners got their linear idea from? Because they probably originally saw things as cyclical. Where did they get the linear business? The Greeks. The Greeks? Okay, maybe the Greeks. Where do you think the Greeks got it? The philosophy, logic. Maybe philosophy, logic. But there's one nation that has had a big impact... And wherever that nation goes, they tend to go linear. Whoever has contact with the Jews. Because what's the very first words in this book? In the English. In the beginning. So anyone we've had contact with, meaning, imagine it's the very first meeting. So we like, they meet a Jew, and they're like, I'm Jewish. I'm not. And they're like, have you seen my book? <laughs> no, what does it say? In the beginning. What? Who said anything about a beginning? Yeah, because they, they saw the world as cyclical, and then we come to talk about beginnings, that there's actually a beginning. So, like, it starts, and it moves up through time. But guess what? How did we start this class? We started this class discussing... None of you even know what I'm about to say, because you're the listener is I'm the one who said it. Um, we started talking about zodiac signs, linear or cyclical, big time cyclical. Okay, they're coming around, zodiac signs moving around, the constellations are on a big pinwheel, it's like a big pinwheel that the light from heaven shines through the pinwheel, and it has energies shining into our world down here, it's a pinwheel, meaning the zodiac's a pinwheel of energy. All those stars, those aren't just random stars. All those heavenly bodies have spiritual significance and influence on our creation. And the, as the pinwheel shifts, the influence comes through. So the Jews are linear in the beginning. The Jews are cyclical. Which one is it? Make up your mind. The answer is, as usual in Judaism, say it, both. Both. Yes, and you said the shape I'm about to draw, what is it? An upward spiral. 
So I don't even know where to put this because I wrote so much on here. I, can I erase those words now and it won't freak anyone out? Bye, Mom. Bye, Mom. Okay, so what it creates is, let's call that the beginning. That'll be this line here. What it creates, now, I'm not much of an artist, so please, God, help me. That's somewhat a spiral. I like to make it like come up to a point because there will be an end end of it all. So I'm trying to have it like end somewhere. Yeah, that'll be like six thousand years and somewhere around there. This will be like this will be like the messianic era. Third temple, and then and then we don't even know what's going on. That's why I put it up here because we don't know. We don't know. So. Anyway, you got the movement of time with the full cyclical experience. Now, comes along every year. I should have made one more. Comes along every year. Holidays. But it's not just holidays. It's actually hour by hour. You know Kabbalists? You know every hour of the day has a different combination of God's letters, four-lettered name? And, for example, we're in Nisan right now, so it's very simple. The name of God for this whole month is the first week was Yud, the second week is this week, so it's Vav, and then starting uh, uh, next Passover night will be Hay, and then the final night will be sorry, Yud, and then Hay, and then Vav, and then Hay. However, when we shift gears into... The next month, which is ER, it'll be a different order now. It'll be Yud, I don't know them all by heart, but it'll be a different combination. Letters start switching, those four letters, God's name. Because every month and every week of the month has a different letter that connects to it. The, we're now in the first month, so it actually gets the straight spelling of God's name. But not only that, every hour, because think about it, there's 12 months. And there's 12 possible spellings of God's name. But there's 12 hours in the day. Why is it it half day 12.41 today and not noon like Gentiles would think is midday? Why is it 12.41? Because we take sunrise to sundown, divide it into 12. And right now it's it's the spring equinox. And the spring equinox is going to have an hour is going to be about 65 minutes. And so those 65 minutes, if you check out the time six to get to half day, it's going to turn to 12.41. What do we care about these times? And the answer is, we care a lot about these times. Because every hour has a window. Every hour has an aperture. I mean, right here, this we're going to call Pesach. Pesach's going through the pinwheel. Can I do another one there, or is that... No. Yeah. How do you feel like no, shouldn't it be down here? Yeah. Anyway, Pesach's an energy that's coming through the world. It's going to funnel down. But going back to the hourly, it's funneling down hourly. And at 1241, the morning prayers are no longer relevant. So if you woke up at 1242 this morning, or 1240, 
12, and you, but you needed the bathroom for a long time. You know, whatever. If you try to do your morning prayers at 12.42, you missed it. Window closed. Shema this morning. Anyone know when Shema was this morning? 9.46 or something. 9.46. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was 9.31. Yeah, and I, I said it at 9.28. I would I almost miss it. Thank you, God, on my birthday. I did not miss Shema. I was... Because I had an extra long mikvah because it's my birthday. And uh, I was on the hot side, just like, oh, happy birthday. And, and they, uh, I think I was in there for like 40 minutes. You know, they, they like had to bring me out with a, with a like a, a winch. And get the birthday boy out of the hot pool. <laughs> so, anyway... It was a miracle. I was on my way to shul, totally spaced out, worrying about whether I'm going to get a minion at that time, and uh, which I didn't. And um, I, I wound up at Zichron Moshe Hashem, which was beautiful. And I bought an aliyah for five shekels, which is unprecedented. And uh, <laughs> those later minions, like, they get real cheap for an aliyah. So, oh, I forgot to pay for it. It's all right, I'm there more than a little. And uh, anyway, I'm kind of, glazers are kind of late risers. So, so the last second, I, I'm like, Shema! Like, pull out my watch from my pocket, which is now my wrist, and I'm like, four minutes left. And there I stood, like, in the middle of my street, just like, Shema! Yes, Like, t- a tourist group, like, went running. <laughs> so... so Anyway, but if I miss that time, window closed on that mitzvah. Some mitzvahs are time-bound. Well, one of those time-bound commandments are holidays. Holidays are seasonal energies that are going to flow into the world. They're called zmanim. And zmanim, zmanim, for example, the zman that's coming to us right now, starting Passover night, Monday night, is called zman or if you're Sparty or race conservative like me or Israeli, Zman Cherotenu. Okay? The Zman Cherotenu means the time of our freedom. Freedom time. So we are going to move into a seven day freedom time. It's a window in time. Now, you think this pipe, I made a pipe. You see the pipe through time? It's a pinhole in the zodiac which is a week-long energy. It's not just one of those hour things that Kabbalists want to be aware of each hour or something, or we're trying to say Shema. But this is a week-long energy called Cheres, which is freedom. And it's interesting that the word Cheres actually is also the same exact word for etching into stone. Like in the old days, they used to etch into stone, like the commandments. Etch to etch. Meaning freedom, you've got to etch that freedom in. Like you've got to Get this download. It's a download. Jewish holidays are downloads. What's the Hebrew word for uh, a commemoration? Like, we're going to say, Zechel Yitzis Mitzrayim. A commemoration of the leaving of Egypt. How do you say commemoration in Hebrew? Zecher. What's the word Zecher? Zion. Whoa, my pen died. Zion. Chaf. Resh. You know what that is the word for? For for male, male, man, masculine, the, fe- the male. What's the male spiritually? The causer, right? The seminator, the, the causational. 
It's the causational. It's not a commemoration. Commemoration is dead. That's like that's like Fourth of July. You know, it's the commemoration of American Independence Day, United States of America, and they <laughs> and they're, they're going to commemorate. And what does anyone do? They just get drunk as a skunk because you don't know what to do. Like, okay, Mazel Tov. What do you, you say, Mazel Tov on Fourth of July? Like, what do you do? So you get drunk. We, on the other hand, drink. Four cups of wine, two of which are on an empty stomach. Just kidding. Um, no, we. So, what is the word zeker? It means. It doesn't mean commemoration. It also means that. But what it means is zahar, masculine, assertive. It's an energy that flows. It's a download of energy. That's the masculine. That's what masculine does. It asserts. Okay, feminine receives, masculine asserts. This is an all spiritual law and all mystical traditions. It is also every single electrician is dealing with that all day long. Not to mention every window maker, every home builder, every everything and uh, what's holding together your chair, your table, your clothing, and everything is masculine and feminine. There's no other thing than masculine or feminine on this entire planet, including every plant, every animal, every person. Unless something really went wrong. Now the uh, except for the except for one plant, which is called the tamar tree, the date tree is actually both male and female. It's the only vegetation that's male and female, and that's why we say tzaddik katamari frach because tzaddik has mastered his most his masculine and feminine sides. He's a master of both the masculine and the feminine aspects. That's why tzaddik katamari frach. A tzaddik, a righteous holy man, a holy man, a holy man flowers like the tamar tree. Now. The word zahar means this is the download. We're getting a download of freedom. When uh, in in uh, in uh, Hebrew, when someone asks you how Pesach was, they say Echaya Pesach. How was Pesach? Echaya Pesach. And then you say Baruch Hashem. And if you speak English, you say it's very nice. Because if if you're observant and you speak English, everything's very nice. How was the wedding? Very nice. How was Shabbos? Oh, it was very nice. Everything's very nice. Yeah. It's so vanilla. I like it. it always makes me want to puke when someone says something's very nice. How was Shabbos? Oh, it was very nice. <coughs> How was the wedding? It was very nice. How was the trip? Very nice. Everything's very nice. Everything happens very nice. So, so the, uh, anyway. <laughs> I love when someone just comes back and they're like, it was lame. <laughs> Thank you. He's being honest. You know, we, all, we don't do anything honest. You know, how are you, Baruch Hashem? Thank you very much. I actually want to know how you're doing. So, um, now listen. The the download of oh, so so whenever someone says to me, "How is Pesach?" I always say, "Ech Pesach nechnas." How did Pesach go in? Meaning, I opened myself up to Pesach. Totally. How? And the answer is the positive commandments and the negative commandments. When Pesach came, there were things you're supposed to do, i.e., make Kiddush, read the Haggadah, drink four cups of wine, tell the story. There's things to do. You do those things, so then that's the USB cable. You know, when you plug in a USB... Well, USB, I don't know how it works, but when you plug in a cable, it's got 
parts that plug in is female and is masculine, meaning the positive commandments are the masculine. The feminine is get out of the way. Get out of the way so God can do something here. So that would be the, the feminine part of the plug. So, and there are things on Pesach that we will not do. We will not be doing malacha, as we've spoken about earlier in this class. There's no doing malacha from Monday night sundown until Tuesday night sundown. And also from noon. By the way, I just want to qualify. I forgot because earlier I told you you're not allowed to do malacha before Pesach from 1240. So I just want to qualify that. You're not allowed to do a full act of umanut of like, for example, if you're a dressmaker, you can't start a dress from then on. And, and you may not even be able to finish a dress if you're really a dressmaker. Um, it, but for the rest of us, if you find your, you find a hole in a shirt or something, you can sew that up. You can do stuff, but you can't do, um, you can't do a full job. And if you're a professional, definitely have someone else do it. If it's just to finish something, meaning even a professional probably can't even finish something, like found a hole. If they're a pro, they probably can't even finish it. They have to ask someone else to finish it. Meaning, if there's things you still need to get ready, you can get them ready. You didn't get your haircut yet for the holiday. I think you're, you're you've got bad. You're in bad luck because that's like that's over the top. Yeah, you got to get your haircut for sure before before noon on uh, a Monday. You understand? It's like a full, complete act of malacha. It's not. It's not you getting ready for the hog and you forgot to cut your nails. You can cut your nails. Okay, you can get your. I think you can even cut your nails on for some reason. Now, you got that? Is that clear? So it's not the kind of malacha you have to be as careful of normally. It's it's doing a full act. But it is forbidden to do a full act. Now, it's how did Pesach go in? How does it go in? It goes in via the positive, which are the masculine laws, and the feminine, and those that don't do, we will not be doing malacha. We will not be eating chametz. We will not be finding chametz anywhere in the view of our of anybody. I mean, if you had some kept over, which I certainly have quite a few bottles of, you know, very nice whiskeys and stuff that I will be selling to some Jenhal. But they will be locked away, and I will not be seeing them. Either. They will be locked up. And the... Um, you get that? So we will be doing stuff and we'll be refraining from stuff. But what's going to be the download? Begins with a ches. Cheres. The download. We'll get Monday night all through the week till the following Sunday night. Sorry, the following Motsi Shabbos. The download will be freedom. And what do we mean when we say freedom since we're talking about it? What is the download? I said freedom. What kind of freedom? Like American freedom? Like do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it? Is that the kind of freedom? Doesn't sound like Judaism to me. What kind of freedom? So the answer is, ready for what kind of freedom? You guys ready? We're going to end with this. This is the actual download of Pesach. The definition of freedom in Judaism Be one liner. Definition of freedom in Judaism is to is to realize 
this whole physical world is the bondage of Egypt. The whole physical world, the actual physical world is the bondage of Egypt. And when you awaken, when you become aware that the creator of heaven and earth, the actual divine, is the source of your experience here on earth, and there's nothing you want more to serve than that, because that's like, meaning I, I just want to connect to reality. And meaning if that's reality, I want that. Like a moth wants a light bulb. I want it like a moth wants a light bulb. I want reality. I don't want to live in the lies. Why do you think we're trying to get rid of, like people are going out of their minds right now to get rid of chametz. Chametz is leavened bread, like leaven. Risen bread. you got to get rid of that. Because it's a lie. It's a lie. I, I have said this several times this week. Please forgive me for saying it again. But I cut last week, I showed my kids, I cut into a big, fluffy, Challah, big, big loaf of bread for Shabbos. It was so fluffy. And I cut this big, fat slice. My kids were looking like, who's that for? I mean, it was like half the challah. I cut like this big slice. And then I took the slice. I showed them the cross section of all the white, fluffy, white dough. And then I took my other hand. I inserted it, squeezed it down to the size of a credit card. And I showed them the credit card now. And I'm still holding the cross like this. It's a credit card. It's like, because Chametz is Sheker. And this is the foundation of our nation. And we want to start on truth. We're starting our nationhood on truth. How many marriages have I had to deal with where the families lied about their kid? And you'd think after 15 years of marriage, 12 years of marriage, 20 years of marriage, that the couple would have worked it out. No, the foundations were screwed. They weren't honest. Parents have no idea what they're getting their kids into when they lie about their child in marriage. By the way, the only families that do this now is just Hasidic, but it's a large population of Jews. And if you lie about your kid, you just ruin their life. They're better off single than having the foundation of their marriage be based on something that wasn't real. This is the foundation of our nation. We're the only nation on the planet that was formed in another country. It's impossible. Like, how do you make a nation in another country? We're not from Israel. Jacob was a father with a, with a family. It was just his kids and grandkids. They went down to Egypt because they were hungry. That's not a nation. Our nationhood was born in Egypt in slavery. We're the only nation in the world that's from another nation. It's like the weirdest thing in the world. If you meet a German, he's from Germany. If you meet a Spaniard, he's from Spain. If you meet an Austrian, he's from Austria. If you meet a Mexican, he's from L.A. <laughs> you meet a Jew, he's from Egypt. We're not your average nation. We're from another nation. Just another thing to destabilize us from becoming what's called nationalists. You know, every day here I do the cruelest thing. On Soldier Remembrance Day, it's called Yom Zikaron. I 
do the meanest classes pat. I should probably stop doing this, but I do it. I, I can't stop myself. I'm so mean. I, I get the whole class to tell me why should the IDF fight? Why should the Jews fight in, these, in the army? And then everyone gets their turn, and I write down. We get so many things listed. Like I usually get three columns out. Because some of the guys are soldiers themselves, so they have what to say why they're fighting, and some are going to be going in the army, and I, they write down, there, you're going to go in the army? You in the army? Oh, we got a soldier here. So they write down, <laughs> he's wearing fatigues. So I write down all list, and they're all sitting there like, okay, Rabbi, we got a, like, a exhaustive list here. And I'm like, okay, sorry to do this to you all. And then at the top of the board, I write, Mother Russia. And they're all just like, because <laughs> they looked down the whole list and it had nothing to do with being Jewish nothing to do with Judaism, nothing to do with Israel nothing to do with nothing that is who we are, nothing and nothing worth fighting for I mean besides I mean, if you think killing people for your nation's uh, for your nation's narrative is something you should be doing um, I don't I don't think killing for some random narrative about your neighboring country is especially the U.S. would like to fight non-neighboring countries. They like to fight their wars thousands of miles offshore, which is a lot safer, I understand, at least for the citizens. And the, anyway, but the, we are, we are a funky people. We are from another nation. And our, our alliance is to the creator of heaven and earth, like a moth to a light bulb. Now I'm going to end with this. Imagine you found a moth like getting a little too friendly with your light bulb in your house. And you're like, and let's just say you could talk to it. So you're like, uh, Mr. Moth. And the moth's like, don't distract me. Because you know, it's really getting into this. You know, it's like loving this relationship with the light bulb. And you tell, but the moth's like, uh, Mr. Moth, I just want to tell you one thing. And the moth's like, okay, what is it? This light bulb's on a dimmer. You're at 25%, bro. And I'll tell you, you're not going to last long at 25%, but, you know, I just thought I'd let you know, you know, in case you wanted me to go over to that knob and turn it up. And the, and the moth's like, turn it up, dude. Turn it up. Come on, man. Come on. It's like an addict, you know. Come on. Turn it up. So you're like, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Moth, you know, you're not going to do so hot if I turn this thing up. And the moth's like, just turn Okay, how high? What's the moth gonna say? All the way. Yeah. Give me the juice. That's where we're. That's what we're after. Did you know that when you pray in meditation that we do three times a day, you're supposed to stand perfectly still. But what do you see when you see people praying? What are they doing? Yeah, you know why? Yeah, first of all, it could be the guy's just OCD. But why he's supposed to be still is because he's in meditation. You're not supposed to be body when you're in meditation. However, the Jews, the soul of the Jewish people is considered a liken to a candle. And what do candles do? They flicker. They flicker. Because what? Why do they flicker? Because the flame is trying to actually get somewhere. Where's it trying to get? Where's it going? What direction? Up. The flame's trying to go up, which is a very suicidal mission, like the moth. 
Because what if the flame succeeded in jumping off the wick, which what it seems to be trying to do? What if it actually succeeded? It would, it would go out. It would extinguish. Rev. Lady Yitzhaka Berdichev had a special minion of super holy people who would pray with him, these ten men. One time they were praying. They weren't in Shimon Esrei, but they were in a park that was very intense. And they're all in their tefillin and their talises. Rev. Lady Yitzhak's in the front leading. And... And all of a sudden, Reb Lady Yitzchak turns around. His face is red with fright. He runs across the room as fast as he can, dives, and slaps a pair of tefillin off the head of one of his ten prayer cohorts. Uh, slaps the tefillin off the head of one, one of the ten people praying. Afterwards, that man said that, that the Rebbe saved his life. And when they asked the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, yeah. Not even a whole entire second left before his his flame was going to jump off the wick. And there's many stories in that era of super holy people. There was this whole renaissance in Kabbalah and spirituality that took place in their generation of many people who died in the middle of the holiest acts. There was a there was a um, <laughs> one particular shamash or gabai, an assistant, who, who when his red when the rebbe would meditate, he had a t- uh, uh, hourglass where he had to time it a few times, and then he has to go interrupt the Rebbe. One time he got distracted, got taken out of the whole building, like realized like 20 minutes later, runs back to see the hourglass had finished, like, you know, who knows, maybe like three minutes ago. He runs and he was gone. The whole community and region lost the Rebbe. He was the leader of that region. They lost lost their Rebbe. Just because the Gabbai didn't, got distracted and didn't turn the hourglass. The jail is this world. The jail is the physicality. That was what Egypt was all about. It was called Ervasa'aretz, the nakedness of the land. It was a place with such depravity. In a region of Canaanites, the region of physicality is all there is. If you knew you know, how deprived, dep- decrepit the lifestyle was in the Canaanite area, it's a freak out that we get that we're here. Because this land was oozing with filth. Oozing with filth. So much so that, you know what the Torah says? The Torah says to the Jews when we were crossing the desert and we were like getting God angry. So, so God says, don't think it's because you're so holy I'm bringing you here. I'm bringing you here because the people who were here were so lowly that it, their time was up. They had to get out. Because I promised this to Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it's like time's up. Like We can't have more of the filth of this region. So he took down Egypt who were all about physicality and depravity. And we were born in that depravity. We were born inside that, that world. And you want to know something amazing is that we fell hard. Jews, what do you think, we didn't assimilate? We fell so hard in Egypt. The women didn't, but the men fell hard. But the main thing about this region was sexuality. The big time, like bad stuff, big time bad stuff and and the uh, and the Jews were chaste, even the men, even the Jewish men who fell into the idolatrous practices of the Egyptians, they stayed chaste all the women stayed chaste in fact we know the name of the one woman who actually had had relations with an Egyptian man, she was raped we actually know her name, it's recorded in the Torah the name of the one woman who was raped by an Egyptian because it was so 
Like, like that one woman in during 210 years in Egypt, only one time was a, a, was a, a Jewess violated. This world is our jail, and our freedom is connection to the creator of it all. I mean, what do you think this world created itself? This is being created at all times. It's coming into existence right now. The world's happening right now. Show me a minute ago. Come on, show me a minute ago. Let's go. Show me a minute from now. Not here. So where's this place coming from? Where's it coming from? Think a minute ago created now? Think a second ago created now? It didn't create now. It couldn't create now. The world's coming into existence at all times. But if you don't get that and you go into what's called psychological time, where you're always thinking, oh, this moment's the effect of a previous cause moment, and oh, I gotta worry about tomorrow's moments. So you're in psychological time, you're not in reality. You're not in freedom. You're not that's humming. That's check in. The truth is only now and now and now and now and now. And my and my my homage, my dedication, my reverence, my it's, it's to the maker of that like a moth to a light bulb like a flame that's trying to jump off its wick and to serve that to serve that being to serve that being with all I've got that's my freedom Because otherwise you're just locked in. You're locked in the matrix. You're just in the physical world. You're in your psychological time, which is always past. The past way of looking at the world is filtering out your moments. And then you're always worrying about the future. So you're like, you're never here. And all the concerns of this physical world, it's, it's our bondage. It's just that Egypt represented the ultimate expression of that. And the, the ervas of Egypt, the sex, sexuality of Egypt, just represents the ultimate, because there's two things in the physical world that the animal desire goes for. It's uh, reproduction and survival. But reproduction is much stronger than survival. That's why we see very wealthy men who've done a tremendous job surviving. They're driving around in a Porsche Cayenne. But they'll still do the stupidest thing ever and destroy their whole families. You know, destroy their family over sexuality on a business trip and ruin everything. Because it's the strongest physical desire. So the, the physicality of this world is the Egypt. This world is Egypt. And we're leaving Egypt. And we're going to get rid of all the falsehood, all the fanciness, all the extras, all the fluff, puffed up life we live. We're getting rid of that stuff right now so we can leave Egypt in just gorgeous biblical robes. Just like, just me. Me and God just leaving Egypt. I don't need fancy. I just want real because I want my foundations to be real. Things that are founded on real things are built to last. So we're getting rid of the fake now and we're going into the real. So I want to bless everyone here and everyone watching and everyone on earth to be free and to be connected to God and have the divine pulsing through their veins and 
and may we all feel the flame of our souls flickering upon our bodies pining upward towards our maker may that be our alignment, our dedication our reverence our life mission You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.